Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. The disciples were on a boat, rowing with all their might to get the boat safely across the water. But the waves on the Sea of Galilee were huge and and devastating as they began to crash down on their little boat. Now, their boat was probably a typical fisherman's boat of the time, not much longer than 12 feet long and maybe 4 to 7 feet wide. And either way, it would have been a small fisherman's boat with 12 men on board. And it would have been tossed to and fro, back and forth over the waves as the storm grew in intensity. And I imagine Peter rowing and rowing and screaming for everyone else to row while poor Thaddeus was in the middle of the boat screaming, help, help. I just imagined Thaddeus to be the wimpiest of the disciples. I don't know why. I have no reason to, but his name's Thaddeus. But he's screaming like a screaming goat, help, help. And here's John, I can imagine, bailing water out. And maybe Thaddeus stopped screaming to help bail water out of the boat with buckets as fast as they can. And I bet in the middle of it all, Thomas, the doubter, is bemoaning the fact that they're all going to die. And then one of the James is yelling at Thomas to quit complaining, be quiet, and and start rowing. There's bailing water. (laughs) They're screaming. It's chaos. It is frightening. And then, then they see it. A figure on the water, but but not in the water or, or halfway out of the water. No, it, it looked like a person walking on top of the water. Who who could it be? Was it a ghost? Maybe it was a ghost, some some type of water demon? Or who could be walking on the water heading towards their boat? Do you understand how frightening that sight must have been? Now, let me ask you, have you ever been in a storm that was so scary that you thought you would die? I remember once driving a car in a winter storm, and I was scared to death that I was going to crash and die with my whole family on board. We were in the Rockies. It was blowing snow. I could barely see inches in front of the car. I was starting to lose track of the road. Where did it go and where it went? And we were in the middle of nowhere. At least that's the way it felt. And, man, this was scary stuff. Well, if you've ever been in that position, we have the 12 disciples. These men are in a similar situation here. But, you know, their chances of dying were much higher than mine were. I mean, they're on a lake, the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of of the sea, very deep, and in the middle of a storm, and they could sink at any moment, and trying to swim in the middle of this vast, huge lake in the middle of a storm, they were all certainly going to drown if that boat sank. They were in big trouble. See, Jesus had told his disciples to get in the boat and head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you remember from last time, they had just fed ten to 20,000 people with just five pieces of bread and two loaves of fish. I mean, this was quite a miracle. They had seen Jesus perform this amazing miracle. Now, Jesus knew they needed time to think about it and process what this all meant. 
Now, looking back, we can see that the feeding of the 5,000 was a miracle, and it helped to prove that Jesus was God. But in that moment, at that particular point in the story of Jesus with his 12 disciples, I think the deity of Jesus, that he was God, had not been clearly established in the disciples' mind, at least according to the story we find in Matthew. But you know what? If the disciples had been listening, Jesus began to talk about his deity all along. And when you start to see what Jesus did and the miracles he performed and the demons he cast out, Jesus referred to his deity. Jesus referenced himself as the son of God many times. He's casting out demons. He just did a miracle. He fed 10 to 20,000 people with just five loaves and two fishes. How could you miss the fact that Jesus is God? But for some reason, for many of the 12, it was still lost on them. Sure, Jesus performed miracles, but Jesus being God? I'm not certain about that. Sure, these miracles were amazing, but Jesus as deity? There was one God, Yahweh. That meant that Jesus was also God. I think in many of the minds of the disciples, that had not been decided yet. So Jesus tells them to get into the boat, to get away from the crowds, and to give them all a chance to get together and to think and to spend time together and to think about what they had just experienced and so they obeyed jesus the 12 disciples got into the boat while jesus stayed on the remote part of the shore he also wanted to be alone and he wanted to find a remote area where he could pray to the father and he also wanted to disperse all the 10 to twenty thousand people they fed he wanted to make sure they got off to home correctly well he was going to take care of that and then go spend time with his father so they separated the disciples began to row to the other side while jesus found a quiet place to be alone with the father And that is when the storm hit. Now, Matthew describes the storm as a strong wind that hit and buffeted the boat. You can imagine the sea began to swell and the waves became larger and larger and began to crash down on the boat. And in the middle of the storm, when it was at its worst, it was dark. Now, they probably had to set sail near evening, and and now the sky all around them was pitch black. What were they to do? One thing we know they did do was to row, row, and more rowing, but to no avail. It, It felt as if the shore they were trying to get to was further and further away. They were in the middle of the sea, about to drown. It was now probably three or four or five in the morning, and they were about three to six miles from the shore, smack dab in the middle of the lake. What were the disciples supposed to do? All their rowing and all their bailing of water did not seem to accomplish much of anything. They're about to drown. I wonder if they're all thinking, we just saw a miracle and now we're going to drown in the middle of the ocean? What a way to go. And then they saw it. The figure I mentioned earlier. Maybe at the front of the boat, John began to see what looked like a human being walking towards them. 
I can imagine maybe John yelled out for the others to look at what he was looking at. They were all too busy rowing, but some of them tried to look, and they too saw it. It looked like a human, a, a man, walking towards them on top of the water. One of them, you know, probably again, Thaddeus, yells out, It must be a ghost! It's got to be a ghost! It has to be a ghost! See, in Jewish culture, the sea represents chaos. To the Jewish mind, big bodies of water were, were full of chaos and scary creatures. It was a place you could fish, right? And it was okay to fish on the sea or to fish on a lake, but otherwise it needed to be avoided. Particularly in Jewish literature, the sea would represent chaos. So what better place for a ghost to appear than on the frightening sea? So the men cried out in great fear, Help! We're about to die! Go away, ghost! Where is a ghostbuster when you need one? Go away! Go away! But in the middle of their fear, Jesus responds. They're screaming. The boat's rocking up and down. Water's about to overtake their whole boat. And then they see a ghost in the middle of this chaos. And they scream and they yell out. And Jesus responds in the middle of their fear. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, it's interesting. Jesus says, take heart. It is I. That phrase, it is I. Many commentators believe in the Greek. It should be simplified to this. Take heart. I am. Take heart. I am. Now, where have we heard that phrase, I am, before? In Exodus, when God reveals himself to Moses as the great I am. That is the very name of God. And here Jesus is using that very name in the middle of the storm to comfort them and to calm them. Jesus is essentially telling his disciples, don't worry, take heart. I am is here. God Almighty is here. Yahweh is here. Have no fear. You know, that's got to be encouraging, isn't it, as a Christian? You know, when you see how afraid the disciples were, how does Jesus encourage them? He encourages them by giving them himself, his very name. Do not worry, I am is here. He offered himself as a solution to their fears. And for those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, we too can claim that promise that no matter what storm you face in life, Jesus is the solution. Jesus, his very name, I am, is going to help you through it. Trust him. Well, they see this figure and they realize it's Jesus. But Jesus is walking on water. These men, and I've never seen it as well, but these men had never seen anyone walk on water and in the middle of a storm. Some believed that it was Jesus, right? Right away. Some of the 12, right away. Oh yeah, that's Jesus walking on water. But I, but I wonder if some of them doubted because who walks on water and what human can 
calm a storm and walk on water. So Peter cries out, if that is you, Lord, command me to come out of the boat. They're still not certain this is Jesus walking on the water. Because remember, some of them are still wondering, is he God? Only a God-like figure could walk on water. So is this Jesus? Is that that ghost somebody mentioned? The storm's still here. The chaos is still around. And Peter yells out, hey, Jesus. Well, he actually uses the phrase, Lord, command me to come out of the boat. Please, if that is you, Lord, command me, ask me to come out of the boat. Again, you know what's interesting is Peter uses the word Lord. And the Greek word he uses there for Lord can basically be used as a substitute for the divine name Yahweh. I think Peter is one of the few that's beginning to realize This man we've been following, this rabbi named Jesus, he's Yahweh. He's Yahweh. And if he is Yahweh, he would have the power to do a miracle. And would that not be the perfect test? If you are God, I mean, that's, I think in some ways, Peter's testing, are you God? You know, and this would be the perfect test. If you are God, Yahweh, if you are Yahweh, Jesus, as you say you are, then command me to get out of this boat and allow me to walk over to you. If you truly are God, let me walk over to you. So Jesus invites Peter to join him. Jesus responds to Peter's request with simply one word. He says, come. I think he had to yell it. The storms were on. Come. Hey, get out. Come. Now, I wonder if Peter was, what? Not expecting that at all. What? What? You, uh, you, what, what, you want me to come to you? You're actually asking me to get out of the boat, to come to you in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the lake, walking on water? Come? Whoa. That would give me great pause. But Peter, he does it. And I think you have to give Peter credit here. The sea is still a raging storm. The waves are still crashing all around. And Peter decides to get out of the boat. Now that is faith. He had so much faith that Jesus was God and that Jesus would take care of him that Peter hops out of the boat. Now, I quite, my question is, did he hop out of the boat with both feet? You know, whoop. Or did he take one foot and put it over the side and gingerly put his foot on the water oh it's holding it's holding and then take his other foot and place it on oh you know testing surfaces the whole time it will will this whole thing hold his weight and 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 whoa it does hold his weight and then he starts to take a step and, and then he takes another step and he's on top of the water in the middle of a storm that is great faith i don't think i could have done it I'd be huddled up with Thaddeus screaming into the middle of the boat. But Peter gets out of the boat. He gets out of the safety of that boat and begins to walk towards Jesus on top of the water. And remember, it's between three and six in the morning. So it's still dark or the sun's maybe just breaking over the horizon. But either way, it's still dark and you can't really see. But Peter keeps on walking. Now, I wonder if at first he sort of shuffles. Then as he begins, he's 
it's working. And yes, I can trust Jesus. And he begins to widen his stride until maybe finally Peter's leaping because he's got to leap over some waves that are coming along. Whoosh, jumps over him as he begins to walk on water and he walks towards the Lord. Peter got out of the boat. Give Peter some credit here. Many of us would not even have gotten that far, right? He had enough faith in Jesus to get out of the boat and try walking on water. That is faith in Jesus. But then, I think then he began to look around. He's standing on top of the water, but then he looks around and he sees a big fat wave coming towards him. Maybe even one crashed on his head, but he still stood on the water. The Bible says Peter saw the wind, and that made him afraid. I think he saw the effects of the wind, the high waves, the the troubled, brewing waves, and, and all of the storm and the lake water hitting him in the face. And I think the reality hit him. I am standing on water in the middle of a storm. This should not be. And so he gets scared. And he stops trusting in Jesus and starts putting his faith in what he knew. Solid ground. Dirt. You walk on dirt and solid ground, not liquid. And Peter began to sink. Now, to me, interestingly, Peter did not go down immediately. You know, did he sink partially up to his knees? Or, or what, did he turn and try to run back to the boat and his feet began to go under him? Then, then he began to sink up to his thighs until he could no longer run. And he realized he was sinking and, and slowly the water came up past his waist, up past his chest. I think for a moment, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and just looked at the reality around him. The minute he did that, the reality of what he was doing sunk in and he began to focus on himself, the wind, and the waves. I think many of us are like Peter, right? We get out of the boat initially, right? We trust in and follow Jesus and what he asks us to do initially, but then when the reality sets in, what Jesus has called us to do, take our eyes off of him and we begin to look at reality and, and we get scared we begin to sink spiritually maybe you decided to step out in faith and give more to your church but then those other bills pop up or an unexpected bill comes around and you get scared and you start to sink or maybe you've decided to give up on an addiction and for a while you do great but then Life gets difficult and you could really use some relaxing time. And man, the siren call of that addiction calls you and you decide, hey, just a little bit of time with this addiction and you begin to sink and sink. And like Peter, you begin to fail. But again, good old Peter, even in failure, Peter shows us what we need to do. Even in failure, Peter does the one right thing. He calls out to Jesus. Yahweh, save me. He doesn't try to swim. He doesn't try to doggy paddle in the dry land. But instead, he refocuses on Jesus. 
He looks again to the Savior. And Jesus reaches out a hand, grabs him by the hand. Maybe he grabs two hands and pulls him up. I think Peter is pulled out of the water. He's still on the water. I think he clung to Jesus like crazy at this point. I think Jesus would have given him a piggyback ride, you know, all the way back to the boat. And then Jesus puts him in the boat, joins him in the boat. And then Jesus gently, I think, corrects him. And he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If I was Peter, I'd be like, why did I doubt? The waves, Jesus, didn't you see the waves? Or how about the wind? Or how about the fact that humans are not supposed to walk on water? That is what I would have said. (laughs) But instead, the focus is on Peter and his lack of faith in Jesus' ability to provide for his needs. Jesus used that same phrase earlier, right? Why did you doubt? He uses that same phrase when the disciples were about to drown in another boating issue on the Sea of Galilee. And here again, Jesus asks them, why did they doubt? In each instance, the disciples and Peter doubt this one thing, that Jesus will provide for their needs. They doubt fundamentally God's ability to take care of them. We're the same way, right? Oh, I doubt God will provide me with a spouse. I'd like to be married, but man, I've been single and still want to get married, but I'm still waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm about to give up and it's discouraging and you begin to sink. And my faith in God goes and he's not going to provide my need. Maybe you have a financial need and we stop tithing because we doubt God will be able to provide our need. Maybe you're afraid about going to a new school. You have a need for new friends and you have some need for stability in your life and you get anxious and afraid because we doubt God's ability to provide for that need for stability, that need for friends. God won't provide, no. Maybe, Maybe you're facing dire medical news. Maybe you're facing the death of a loved one. Or or maybe the worst kind, you're facing a mess made by your own bad choices. You could insert whatever you're anxious about. Whatever's causing you to sink spiritually in the sea of despondency and failure. and Whatever's causing you to take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on yourself. Whatever's causing you to doubt. Why do you doubt, Peter? Why do you doubt, John? Why do we doubt? What is making us doubt that God will take care of us? Well, it comes down to this one simple fact. It comes from a little faith. We have little faith in God. Our faith is very small that God will provide our needs. We step out initially in faith, trusting God to provide. Things get rough and we give up and quit. And just like Peter, I think Jesus would gently say to us, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, the minute Jesus and Peter step back into the boat, that big storm goes away. 
The wind ceases. The sea becomes still once again. And when the disciples see that Jesus walked on water and that he calms the storm, their only response is worship and proclamation that Jesus is deity. He is the Son of God. I can imagine that as the boat hit the shore, there in the middle of the boat knelt the twelve disciples, bowing down to the man that they have realized is not just man. He is God. Now remember I said earlier that the sea often symbolizes chaos and danger in the Jewish mindset. Well, who just had total control over that chaos? Jesus. With one word, he took the chaotic and made it calm. The scary and made it sublime. He turned the frantic into fantastic. Jesus had complete control over the forces of chaos. The disciples truly had no reason to ever be afraid again. I hope you put your faith in Jesus. I hope you've taken that initial step of faith and said, I am going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to put my believing loyalty on him, and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. I'm going to repent of my sin, turn around in the other direction, and head towards Jesus and put my faith and hope in him. But I also hope, if you are saved, that like Peter, you and I have enough faith to get out of that boat. Man, well done, Peter. I don't know how you did that, but well done. And I wish I had that sort of faith. And I hope to have that sort of faith. But then I also hope that, unlike Peter, I never take my eyes off of Jesus. And when things get scary, I need to understand that God, that Jesus is in complete control. And that he has control over all the chaos around us. So when he asked me, why do you doubt? I can say, I don't doubt. I trust in you, my almighty Savior and Lord. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.